All right, we are in John chapter 5, and this morning's message is going from last week's message to last Wednesday night's message and right into this message, okay? And I don't know how we can read this part of Scripture and just move past it with some sort of uh, urgency because this part of Scripture where Jesus is speaking to these Pharisees who were standing by the pool of Bethesda is such a deep theological section of Scripture that I think it's important that we dwell here for a moment. But we're going to read from verse 24 to verse 29. So let's read. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For the Father hath life in himself, and so he hath given the Son to have life in himself. And hath given him all authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming and is, which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Let us pray. Father God, I pray right now that your spirit, that your presence would move upon the hearts and the minds and the ears of all those who hear this message, who watch this video, who listen to the podcast later on. God, I pray right now that you would give us eyes to see, that you would give us ears to hear, and that you would give us fertile hearts that would receive this message this morning. Lord, I pray that if there is any that watch this or sit in this room that do not know you, that when this message is done, God, that their hearts would be made alive by your word, by your spirit, that faith would be born in their heart. Lord, I pray that you would bring to fruition your word, that anyone who hears these words and believes will have eternal life. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now I want to begin this section, these first two verses where we left off last week of verse 24 and where we are starting verse 25 this week. The realities of these verses are twofold. Number one, this is absolutely talking about the resurrection of the spiritually dead people. And the resurrection that is coming for our physical bodies. Amen? Both of these are in view. And I'm going to show you why both of them are in view. Uh, let's go back to verse 24. 
Number one. Well, come on, Bible. Open. Number one. Look at what he says. Verse 24. Verily, verily. Now, anybody know what verily, verily means right here? Or in the, in the ESV it says truly, truly. Okay. This is amen and amen. That's what this is. This is the Greek word right here, amen and amen. And if you go to Matthew chapter uh, 6 in the King James and you read the Lord's Prayer when he says, For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's the same word. So when he's saying verily, verily, anybody have any idea what amen means? Huh? So be it. Yes, and so be it. That is the basic definition of the word amen. All right? It means yes, and so be it. Why is he saying yes, and so be it? Or so be it, so be it. Verily, verily. Amen and amen. Why is he saying this? Because he's calling your attention to what is. Amen? There's a reality that Jesus is is proclaiming right here. And it's the same reality that he proclaimed to Mary and Martha on the day that Lazarus was raised from the dead. Amen? What did he say to them? He said, do you believe that your brother will live again? And what did, what did Mary say? She said, I believe that my brother will rise again at the resurrection of the last day. Right? What did Jesus say? I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And he that believeth in me and liveth will never die. Do you believe this? That's what he asked her. Do you believe this? And this is another question of the gospel. Is it not? Do you hear his voice? Amen? Notice what it says. Verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me has, hath in the King James, has in the ESV, everlasting life. Or in the ESV, I believe it says eternal life. Isn't that what it says? Eternal life. And shall not come in to condemnation, but has passed from death. To life, and that's a present tense verb. Has passed from death unto life. Do you understand that when you hear the proclamation of the gospel and you believe, it is not something like, "Well, he put a little uh, mark on me, and then I'm, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm kind of born again, and then later on." I'll really be born again. No, you're born again right now, and later on you're going to be consummated with your new heavenly body at the resurrection of your physical body. I want you to note two things here. He that hears and believes. Amen? See, we have a problem in modern Christianity where people say they hear but they don't really believe. Or they say they believe but they won't listen 
Can I get an amen on that? See, there's a difference between someone who just hears than someone who hears and believes. Now, there's also a difference between someone who says they believe but won't listen. Amen? We need Christians to understand that it's not one or the other. Amen? Notice these are linked. It says he, now first of all, the belief is in what? Notice how he words it in verse 24. He that believeth on him that sent me. Why is this important? Because we understand Jesus is not coming to do his own will, but the will of him who sent him. Amen? Now, can I give you some constructive Christian advice? You are not out there to do your own will. You're out there to do the will of him who sent you. Amen? Stop going to the grocery store with your own agenda. Amen? Be willing to stop when somebody says, hey, pastor, or hey, brother, sister in Christ, I need you to pray with me. Hey, hey, hey do you know what's going on in my life? Then stop and pray with them. Be in the moment. Amen. You know how many times that Carmen doesn't even like going to the store because there's so many times people say, oh, hey, pastor, I got to talk to you. Hey, so. But I actually love those moments because it's an opportunity. To not do my own will, because I'm there for my own groceries, okay? Let's, let's get it real, right? But I want to be about my father's business. I want to be about the business of him who sent me, amen? And that's the way every Christian ought to be living their life. My life is not my own, amen? I have been bought with a price. It is not my decision. All these things, look. <laughs> I spent all day yesterday. Can, can I be real with you? Spent all day yesterday under attack, okay? Mentally, spiritually, emotionally, I was beat up. And, the, and, and, and my flesh and the devil did everything they could to not even let me write this stuff down today. You can ask my wife. All day yesterday, I was in warfare, okay? I was, in, I was down in my spirit, down in my flesh, down in my emotions, just down. Very important that we understand where life comes from. Because if it was left up to me, I'd have probably still been in that chair, wallowing in self-pity. If it were not for the Spirit of God tugging at my heart, urging me to not give up, urging me not to quit, urging me not to throw in the towel. And I'm telling you what, if you think that you're the only person that sits at your house sometimes and says, I really just feel like giving up, you're wrong. Eternal life. Is about believing in the one who he sent and the one who sent him. You cannot live out your life 
in your own power. If you do, you will fail. I don't care how successful your life looks. Do you know how many of those successful people go home and sit and wallow just like I did? Because the, 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 the pressures of this life, the world, the flesh, and the devil don't ever go away. They're here. And if we're not really, really, really born again, people tell me this all the time. Oh, people are leaving the church by, by the droves. You know why they're leaving? Because they weren't part of the church anyway. They, wanted, they, they may have been sitting in a pew. They may have even been baptized. They may have even been on a church board. They may have even been behind a pulpit. But there's a difference between mentally knowing this and actually believing the one who gave you it. Amen. And there's also a difference between saying you believe something and being unwilling to listen to the Spirit of God when he's trying to encourage you. That was all free. had nothing to do with this message, but Kyle can tell you. Kyle can tell you that even at men's breakfast, I was down. Wasn't I? It's rough. Following Christ is not sunshine and rainbows and fat naked angel babies on clouds. I know you guys love when I say that, but that's not what a cherubim looks like. A cherubim ain't no fat little Michelangelo naked baby sitting on a cloud. A cherubim has six eyes, four faces, and eyes all over. Amen. Amen. He looks scary. That's why every time cherubim shows up, people are afraid, okay? You ever wonder why every time angels shows up in the Bible, everybody's afraid? It's because they're scary looking. They don't look like anything you've ever seen. They will, they will floor you. They will floor you. That's what happened to them guards outside of Jesus' tomb. They fell down like dead men. Why? Because that angel, this thing with six wings and four faces and eyes all over, that's as tall as 16 guys, looks at them and says, fear not. And they said, too late. <laughs> it's too late. The realities of our life in Christ are not easy. It's time that Christians get back to taking these things seriously. We don't preach a gospel that is fluffy and light and, oh, you know, it's going to make everything better. That's not the gospel. Amen. Do you understand that every single man that we read about outside of John gave his life for what we just read? Amen. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. That means judgment. He won't be judged. But is passed from death to life. Number one, he that hears and believes. Number two, he has eternal life. He is passed from death to life. 
But why? Why is this news about Jesus so great? What happens? Why is it so great? Because it's the testimony of God. It's the witness of God concerning his son. Concerning God's plan of salvation, God's plan of redemption, the message of the gospel. The Bible says in Romans that the, that, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to all them that believe. Amen? Doesn't that sound eerily similar to what John just said? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And the gospel is what's being neglected in every church in this city. So many churches in this country that they preach health and wealth and, oh, God just wants to give you mansions and cars and, oh, if you bring your tithe in, look, I believe in tithing, but I also believe the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Nobody's going to get saved if you give them a beamer. Okay? Nobody's going to get saved if you just pay their medical bill. Okay, That's all fine and dandy and it's good things to do. But it's not the gospel. The gospel is what God did to save you. Because you were unable to save yourself. This is the gospel. It's the power of God and the salvation. I want to quote you a verse that's normally totally misquoted. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Timothy no, 2 Timothy, excuse me. 2 Timothy, chapter 3. This verse has been so misquoted that I think it bears us reading and understanding. <clears throat> chapter 3, verse 1. Know this, in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own self. I want you to notice how it describes people. Men shall be lovers of their own self, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient unto their parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affections, truce breakers, false accusers, incontent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. Now this verse right here is the one that gets misunderstood so often. Denying the power thereof. Okay? And I know it's easy for us to think about the Holy Ghost and laying hands on people and that kind of power. But that's not the power Paul's talking about. Because none of these people who are traitors, heady, haughty, high-minded, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, have the Spirit of God to lay hands on anyone and do anything anyway. The power of God that's missing in the last days, it's exactly the power that Paul said we need in Romans chapter 1. We need the power of God, the gospel. The gospel sets men free. The gospel is the power of God unto all those that believe. Why? Because within the pages, within 
within the confines of Jesus' coming to earth, his earthly life, his death, burial, resurrection, the sending of the Holy Spirit, his ascension, and, and all of these things are part of the gospel. And if you take one of them away, the gospel is incomplete. None of those really born of the gospel are going to be what you read in the first part of this. Those who truly hear the gospel and believe will not be lovers of their own self, boasters. They won't be prideful, blasphemers. They won't be disobedient unto their parents. They won't be unthankful and unholy. They won't be without natural affections. They won't be truth breakers. People who really know the gospel really have submitted and said, I believe in Christ. I believe the gospel. They won't be this person. Do you understand without the born again experience, the power of the Holy Ghost is useless to them. That's why I sat in complete and utter awe for almost a year and a half as they were giving altar calls that never once asked anybody if they knew Christ. Why would you offer the Holy Ghost to anybody who didn't know Christ? This makes no sense. Why would you have them come forward in an altar call and, and oh, if you want the Holy Ghost, come up here. But the question should never start with do you want the Holy Ghost? The question is do you know Jesus? Are you born again? Have you got a relationship with God? Otherwise, the Holy Ghost and the gifts of the Holy Ghost will not work for you. Amen. The power of God is the born again experience, eternal life that is only given to those that believe, those that hear. Amen. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Hmm. We'll click, we, we will quickly see why the message of the gospel is so important. Starting at verse 9. 1 John 5 verse 9. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater for this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son hath this witness in himself. And he that believeth not, God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things I have written unto you that, uh, these things I have written unto you that believing on the name of the Son of God that you might know that you have eternal life, and that you may be that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Doesn't this sound like John chapter 20? 
John 21, 30, excuse me. Doesn't this sound exactly like that? John chapter 20, uh, excuse me, 20, verse 30. Yeah, John chapter 20, verse 30, where he says, I write these un things unto you that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing in him, you might have life in his name. Sounds pretty similar, doesn't it? How does he say this? How do we receive this life? Belief. Belief in what? Belief in the message. Belief in the record. Belief in the word. Belief in the testimony. Belief in the witness of God, which is the gospel of Christ. Believe me. The same reason John wrote both these letters, that you would believe. Not only will you believe, but can you hear? Because only those who hear believe. People tell me all the time, well, you know, I witnessed this person, I witnessed that person, I witnessed this other person, and still nothing. The truth is this, they can't hear. They're not listening. They don't hear. All we can do, we don't control the hearing. I can't make people hear. All I can do is proclaim. All I can do is go. All I can do is keep sharing the gospel. Keep giving them Christ over and over. I will be like a, a, a sledgehammer on a brick wall. Just keep pounding away. Not because I'm powerful, but because the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. And what I can't do, the gospel of God can do. Why can the gospel of God do this? Because the gospel of God is the absolute record of the Son of God who is himself the one who holds eternal life. We have record. Jesus said, I give eternal life to whomever I will. This was earlier in this chapter, right? Look, look back with me, if you will, because I'm pretty sure I can find this. Uh, here we go, verse 21. For as the Father takes the uh, raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. Verse 21, chapter 5, John. Jesus is eternal life. Do you understand that? John 14, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He's not just the giver of life, he is life. Amen? When he said, I am the resurrection and the life, he was absolutely telling you the truth. He doesn't just give resurrection power, he is the resurrection. He's our hope of resurrection. He's our hope of resurrection spiritually as born-again believers on this earth. And he's our hope of resurrection at the last day when our physical bodies will be raised from the dead. Yes. Jesus is telling us in these verses who he is. The way of salvation, the gospel is being poured out in verse 24 and verse 25 like I can't. I can't even explain it any harder than I am right now. 
look at a few more places in John or in the Bible, excuse me, where Jesus is the one who gives this life. Turn with me to John 3. Flip back to John 3. And we're going to read verse 15. <clears throat> John 3, verse 15. And account. That's not it. I thought I was in John. Forgot I turned to 1 John. Sorry. John 3, 15. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You realize that's before John 3, 16, right? Says it before he gets there. Jump down to John 3, 18. And he that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 36. Same chapter. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not on the Son of God shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. All of these are telling you several things. Number one, life comes from the Son. He that hath the Son hath life. John, 1 John, right? How do I get the Son? How do I obtain the Son? By faith, by belief in what he did for you. Amen? Not only that, we know that doesn't happen except the Father draws us. Right? John 6, 44, no man cometh unto me except the Father draws him. Salvation is absolutely a work of God, but it's definitely mandated that we must believe. And only those who hear will believe. And you can't make people hear. I can't make people hear. Only God can make people hear. So how do we proclaim the gospel? We do it with boldness. We do it with the intent that everyone that ever hears me is going to listen. And I let God work out only the things that God can work out. And I be faithful even when it's rough. I have to be faithful even when I don't feel like it. I have to be faithful even when I'm sitting in my chair for six hours at home on Saturday wallowing in self-pity and, and going, oh no, I know this attack and nothing's getting better and nothing's going right, nothing. And then I still have to do what you have to do. I have to stir up the gift of God that's in me and I have to get out of my chair and get on my knees and I have to pray and say, God, what would you say? Telling you this morning, he that has an ear, let him hear. Turn with me to John chapter 12, verse 44. Tying a few of these in here for you so you can have them. <sighs> Jesus cried and said, he that believeth on me. Believe, uh, he that believeth on me believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me seeth him that sent me. I am come into the world. I am a light come into the world, and whoever believes on me should not abide in darkness. 
But if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I come not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me receiveth not my words, hath one, uh, hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him at the last day. What's the word that he has spoken? He'd already spoken in John 3. He that believeth is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Do you understand? It's the gospel that judges you. It's the gospel of God that judges you. Those who believe are not judged, and those who don't believe stand condemned because they don't believe. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. I know we were just there. We're doing some uh, biblical aerobics this morning. John 3, or 1 John 3, excuse me, 1 John 3, verse 13. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby we perceive the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to also lay down our lives for our brethren. I want you to catch this. He that loves Watch this, verse th uh, 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life. Somebody underline that, circle it in your Bible. This is how you know you have eternal life. Okay? People ask that all the time. How do I know? Because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. It is anti Gospel. It is anti-Christ to hate fellow believers. It absolutely shows that you have not passed from death to life. Let that sink in. Amen. And then people go, well, you gotta love them, Pastor, and you gotta love. Doesn't rejoice in wrong. So love isn't I'm always telling people what they want to hear. Love is not I'm always patting them on the back. Love will never leave them. Love will never forsake them. Love will lay their life down for them. But love will always tell them the truth. You want to love people? Tell them the truth. What's the truth? Christ I am the way, the truth, and the life. What is the greatest way that you can show your brother or your sister that you love them? Give them the gospel. Verse 25. He starts again in verse 25 with truly, truly, or verily, verily in the King James. And as we discussed earlier, it is amen and amen. 
Now I want to touch on just this for just a moment, verse 25. Look at what he says. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming. Now this in view right here is the future resurrection, okay? But he also says, and is now here. So now we have a present tense of a resurrection. Do you understand that if you are exactly what Ephesians 2, 1 and uh, Ephesians 2, verse 1 and verse 5, if you are dead in your trespasses and sin are, and are without Christ, you're spiritually dead. And when you're born again, what happens? You have become made alive or you have been resurrected spiritually. You are now alive. We just read, he that believeth on me has, present tense, eternal life. Amen? So there's two resurrections in view here. I wrote a note. The hour is coming and now is. A dual meaning and understanding are in view here. Number one, spiritual, a spiritual resurrection by those who are spiritually dead. And you can go to, back to verse 24 uh, and, and it totally ties in here. If you go to Luke, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie this together and show you. Luke chapter uh, 15. This is the story of the prodigal son. We remember this, this story, correct? Go to verse 32. This is after the brother has come back and they've rejoiced. And then the other brother gets mad. Oh, you didn't even give me so much as a, a goat to share with my friends. What are you doing? Why do you love him so much? Verse 31, and he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's now found. Do you understand that Jesus came into the world to seek and to save that which is lost? The understanding is this. You men and women in this room are supposed to be out doing your father's business. You're to be out there proclaiming him who sent you, telling the message of him who sent you. And you're to be out there seeking and saving that which is lost. You don't save anyone, but you bring them to Christ who saves to the uttermost them that believe. Amen? Ephesians 2, verse 1. Let's flip over there. I'm going to go there in my ESV. That way I don't have to keep turning my King James back open. Ephesians 2, verse 1. I'm going to read through verse 1 to verse 5. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, how many of you got a but God story, amen? How many of you were just wandering in gross darkness, lost 
in your sins and trespasses, but God showed up. But God, rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, are you being, by grace have you been saved and has raised us up with him to be seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace have you been saved through faith. If this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one would boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you understand he's not only telling you how you're going to be saved, he's also telling you the purpose for which you're being saved. These good works that he's prepared for you. What's this good work? Well, there's only one good, and it's God. And there's only one gospel, and it's God's. And there's only one message that we should preach, and it's Christ. Amen? Amen. Dual spiritual resurrection is the first one. John 4. Flip back over to John chapter 4 in, in your Bible. John 4. We're going to read verse... 21 Jesus said unto her woman believe me the hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the father you worship what you know not what and we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jew but the hour cometh and now is notice what Jesus just said it's the same thing he says in chapter 5, verse 25. The hour is coming and now is. How does this true worshipers worship God in spirit and in truth? That's what he's going to end up saying right here in, verse, in chapter 4, verse uh, 23, right? But the hour cometh and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. How does this happen? By believing the gospel message. John 5, 25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. And they that hear shall live. How will any dead person walking this earth right now ever come to life? By hearing gospel and believing gospel. There's only one way, only one message, only one Savior. Amen? We must be more diligent in telling other people. Amen? Second point, physical resurrection of the dead. This is a physical resurrection in an eschatological sense. Verse 29 gives us our answer on this okay verse 29 says and they shall come forth they who have done good unto the resurrection of life and they who have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation do you want me to put in perspective good and evil here for you because this is very important that we do this amen it's not their good works good works don't get me to heaven good works don't get me to the bodily resurrection 
So what he's telling you is what he tells you in John 3, 18, 19, 20, 21. It is absolute evil to not believe the gospel of God. To not believe in Jesus Christ constitutes as evil. And it's the only evil that will eternally separate you from God. Unbelief. Amen? Belief here is constituted as good. Verse 29, let's read it again. And they shall come forth. They that have done good. What's the good that they've done? Nothing but they believed. Amen? Because I ain't going to do nothing good to get to heaven. We already know that, right? It's, we read Ephesians chapter 2 already. It's not by works. It's by grace through faith. Amen? It's not my own works because if it was left up to me. Now, how many, I'm going to ask you a question right here. How many sins does it take to keep you out of heaven? Now, let me ask you another question. How many of you sinned yesterday? If it was up to you to get yourself into heaven, you would never make it. That's the whole point of the gospel. That's the whole point of Christ's coming was so that he could be your propitiation, so that he could pay the price, so that he could mold you and shape you into the image of him who loved you and gave himself for you. I'm almost done. Somebody say praise the Lord. Praise <laughs> I think it's interesting that in John 20 and 31 and in 1 John 5, 13, we have the reason that John even wrote his letters, that you might believe. Do you understand that's the only reason any pastor ever darkens a pulpit? The only reason that I stand in front of people Sunday after Sunday and get on Facebook and do all the things that I do to live for Christ is only that somebody else might believe. Paul said, I have become all things for all men that I might be by all means win some. By any means win some. My heart is to see people come to Christ my heart is to see people not only come to Christ but to be empowered by the spirit of God to live for Christ verse 26 the father has life in himself and so does the son the same self-existent nature exists within the son don't get confused with this uh, verse 26, I want to, for the father hath life in himself, so he give, so hath he given to the son to have life in himself. This is not like, oh, the son had, didn't have life beforehand, so the father had to give it to him. It's not what it's saying. It's telling you of the relationship between father and son, and the understanding is the father always bequeaths to the son. You notice in wills, the son never gives anything back to the father. The father is bequeathing to the son because this is relationship driven. The father gives to the children. 
understand this? Verse 27. And hath given him authority to execute judgment also. Now, I can answer the first question of verse 26. And the second question of verse 27 as it comes. Because it says, oh, hold on. He's given him authority to execute judgment also. Why did he give him execute? Why did he give him authority? How is he bequeathing authority that Jesus didn't have before? Because this is still relationship wise. And then notice that he says, because he's the son of man. Now we're talking about the relationship of the father to the earthly, messianic, ruling king Jesus that is fulfilling Daniel chapter 7. Amen? This is prophetically the reason that he's bequeathed these things. Amen? As a matter of fact, the ESV study Bible on verse uh, 27 here, if I can find my way there, has a note about this. Because he is the Son of Man, echoes Daniel 7.13. See note on that, John 1.51, because Jesus is not only the divine Son of God, but also the truly human Son of Man, who is the eternal world ruler prophesied in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 through 14. The Father has given him authority to carry out the final judgment on every human being. Now we understand a little bit more why this is talked about as being given. It's because it had to be to fulfill these prophecies. Amen. It's not as if Jesus didn't already have authority. Amen. Because we know that in John 1.1, 1, 1, he made all things. All things were made by him. And nothing was made that was made without him. Amen. So he, he, he wasn't like he was powerless and then the father all of a sudden gave him some. This bequeathing is twofold. Number one, relationship-wise between father God and son God. And then uh, relationally between father God and the son of man who was the earthly incarnation of these prophecies that had to be fulfilled. Amen. Lastly, verse 28 and 29, I kind of put them together, but it says, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. And they shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. And this is absolutely true. I want you to understand this. I want you to get this. First Thessalonians says that the day of the Lord is going to come like this. There's going to be a shout and then the voice of an archangel. Who's the shout? Christ. Then the voice of the archangel. Trumpet of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. We who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet them in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Do you understand the Bible says that every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why? Because everybody who's ever died will hear his voice. Everyone, saved or unsaved, are going to come up out of the ground 
some to the resurrection of life because they did believe, and some to the resurrection of damnation because they did not believe. I don't know if you ever got this or not, but Revelations 20, when they're thrown into the lake of fire, this is not just a spiritual experience. They have been given new bodies to be thrown into the lake of fire forever. This is the resurrection, and Jesus has all this authority. Remember last week, he said, all judgment is his. Amen? All judgment has been given unto the Son. Why? Because this is God's plan of salvation. This is the gospel. This is the understanding what God did to come and save your life. Amen? You want me to put the gospel in a nutshell? The gospel in a nutshell is this. Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, was born as a babe in a manger lived a perfectly sinless life so that he could be both perfect sacrifice and perfect high priest. When he offered himself up on the cross, he is so holy and so righteous and so good that his sacrifice was once for all time the most perfect sacrifice for anyone who believes in him. Jesus Christ died on a cross as a propitiation, as a substitute sacrifice for your sin, for my sin, and for the sins of everyone who will believe. And if anyone hears him and hears this gospel and believes, they have life and eternal life in Christ. Jesus Christ rose from the dead so that you could be justified before the Father, so that he could send the Holy Spirit as another comforter, so that he could spread his message across the globe, and that he could live in every heart via the Holy Ghost. He offers this power and this empowerment to all that believe. And we all await his second coming where he will not only renew our spirits as he's done right now, but renew our flesh in the resurrection from the dead. This is the gospel in the 25 seconds that I've given it to you. But this is what we must preach. And this is what's preached in these verses. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Do you hear? That's my question. Do you hear? Let's pray. Father God, we just, we ask you right now, God, we know that those that stand in this room we know that many in this room believe, many are, are, have placed their faith in Christ and do believe. Lord, we ask that you would help us to continue to proclaim your gospel. Lord, let us go in the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, with the, with the, the, the breath and the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit as our guide to reach the lost and dying that are around us. Lord, we pray for those who may not know you here or at home, that this message would reach into their hearts and that today faith was born anew in their heart, that they believe, that they hear, they respond. God, we pray for this church, 
that you would continue to use us, build us, and grow us. We ask this in Jesus' name.